Today, we're going to reverse our mind forward. That's right. We're going to reverse our mind forward. Here's how we're going to do that. Remember the merry-go-round, those carousels and the horses and chariots that seem to go up and down and around and around? Well, that tangible object, the merry-go-round, is often called the intangible merry-go-round of life the ups and the downs, and it just seems the hamster wheel never stops going round and round. I think it's safe to say today that that merry-go-round has turned into a roller coaster. You know, really, at the end of the day, a roller coaster is nothing more than a glorified merry-go-round. You got ups and downs and twists and turns, speeds and jerks and corkscrews, all kinds of distractions from a person realizing who they are. When you look at your smartphone, credit card debt, the Super Bowl, cosmetic surgery, shiny objects. Those are just a few things that can be our distractions in today's world, a part of the roller coaster of life. Now, folks, today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to reverse our life forward and become aware that we are on a roller coaster and decide we're going to jump off little by little. And today, we're just making ourselves aware. Folks, reverse your life forward. Now, let's get this party started. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling, and we are on a Wednesday today. Wacky. Wild. Wild. Wet. Well, possibly. It's going to be wet later. Yes, it is. At least it will be for me. I'm going to head to the lake. Get, get some uh, of that wet gas. Frackleberry hound out there. Oh, I, oh. I try to go at least an hour a day. Yeah. At least an hour a day to get out to the uh, Stay regular. Good the idea. lake. And Wait, what are we talking about? Oh, the lake. Sure. Gotcha. Well, that's what. That's right. That, that's <laughs> what we're talking about. about. Dry gas. Okay. Yeah. So you go to the lake. Yeah. Must have been listening to yesterday's show on the way over here. We were talking about dry gas, See, wet gas. from us, man. It's circular. Folks, this is the Play Hard, Work Hard morning show. My name is Jason Speece. That is Sterling. And... Boy, that was a different way to greet the people this morning, talking about our gas right out of the gate. Normally, we try to have somewhat of civil, sophisticated banter, but this is the... Well, we ease them in anyway. Wait, right, right. <laughs> not on hump day. Yeah. Nope, not on hump day. Not at all. Well, we got a kind of a cool day today. What do we got happening? We got another interview from the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference coming up on the... Well, after our couple segments here, we're still more of those coming. She's mm-hmm. Jenica's even pumping in more. She interviewed the tax commissioner. I saw this content galore, babe. Well, you know she's got kids, yeah, and a Earning. life. She needs to earn. She's got uh, some some family that she you know helps out, gra- grandpa, grandma type thing. So it's not like we don't have other stuff going on. So every time I see a new interview, I'm going, oh, geez, how many more does she got? <laughs> Well, because I don't want to crack the whip either and right. send her well, emails to, and texts. That and down, you know, you want that kind of enthusiasm, that dogged go-gettedness. Well, just there, there's something about allowing someone the freedom to do things when they can do them. Mm-hmm. Because when they do them, it comes in a big batch. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it gets done. But cracking the whip on somebody who doesn't 
respond well to a whip crack. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know what I'm saying by yeah. that. So Sticker the carrot, right? I mean, yeah, I guess. Well, or, it doesn't sound like you need anything to do except maybe just help point her in different directions if needed. And she's or, just going to go and do it. That's what I'm hoping in the yeah. future. Just uh, g- g- give her an address and a location, and <laughs> she can give me her Venmo it's or like PayPal. A journalistic mutton. hitman. You know what? If, what if, whatever it is, <laughs> hit journalistic hitman. Yeah, I like that like a lot that. too. Well, we got some emails to get through today. We oh, got a yeah. few of those uh, also coming up. Are you ready for Friday's show? By the I way, am so ready for Friday and the show. You yeah, might, are, are you going to be around, uh, maybe you might be around when Kramer, Senator Kramer. Senator Kramer. Are you... Uh, Not Seinfeld Kramer. Are you out of town Thursday? Uh, I am in the morning. In the morning. I'm so the morning. on the way back into town. On the way back into town, I could be. You might be able to swing by the studio here yep. and be a part of a conversation we're going to have with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer. I could do that. You're right off the highway and you've got a clean bathroom. I well, I'll make sure it's clean. I guess. <laughs> but, nice. You've always got fresh onions in there for some reason. I mean, it's you know, it's. <laughs> so, he's done with his banker tour apparently because the exchange I've been having with his people mm-hmm. is that you know when he's done with the banker tour is what we call it because you know he met with Goldman Sachs CEO, Wells Fargo CEO, right, City. CEO or Citibank CEO, whatever they go by now. Mm-hmm. Who else was in there? Visa, which I forgot. Visa is a company in a bank, not just a card. Not just. I, that's well, what I mean. Yeah, I, I always think of Visa as being just a service. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Just being some sort of service. like 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 Uber the company. Uber the. It doesn't <laughs> Uber before re- Uber. It doesn't really exist, does it? Yeah, it's got a tangible brick and mortar location. I mean, how? Okay. Crazy. You, you know when you walk into some buildings, like a train station, for example, okay, or a, some sort of travel station, All right. they'll have like Terminal, maybe. New York, Paris, Chicago, Times. Los Angeles, yeah. clocks, right? Yeah. yeah, time zones. Is that what Uber and Lyft and these things are? Where you just go into some basement in Manhattan? And you go, and there's one computer, and it just says Uber. And there's another computer, and it just says um, I, uh, Airbnb. Right. You know, like, because right. really these companies are just software, right? That the user does most of the work. I'm, I'm guessing, actually, most of these companies are somewhere down in the Cayman, right? Like, like those Zillow. Shell companies we looked at. Zillow. Zillow. Real right. estate, right? Yeah. Zillow. It's huge for realtors. Mm-hmm. Well, they put in they, they put in all the stuff. Right. <laughs> they do all the work. Yeah. yeah, they do the actual data entry, and yeah. I don't know. That's a mystery, man. Interesting. Could be okay. in the back of a Circle K, just a server in somebody's storeroom. So we've got some emails that we can get to. We can either do those now or we can do them in the next segment. I know we got news coming up as well, but Senator Kramer is going to be, uh, we're going to interview him on Thursday. Okay. So he'll be our Friday work hard interview. All right. But also now, we've, we're going to be interviewing Kathleen Skama, who's the director, president for the Western Energy Alliance out of... Denver, Colorado. She represents like 13, 15 Western states. Really? Yeah. Okay. She's a regular on the program. And she wants to talk about banking too. Okay. See, I, I am, this is not my uh, wheelhouse, banking. It should be. No. Okay, so Senator Kramer, the last time we had an interview with him, mm-hmm. when we concluded the interview, I said, anything, you know, final thoughts? And 
what he said, I don't know if you remember or not, but he said, yeah, you better get to know your banker really well. Remember how I brought that up? How, yeah. how that was kind of eerie? Yeah. It still kind of went over my head, though, because I just don't deal with banks very often. Well, and, and I don't either. And that's, my, that, that's probably, what probably I, one of the problems. What, what I need to change yeah. because Kathleen Scama now wants to talk about banking, too. Mm-hmm. But she wants to talk about it from a an, from an perspective that fossil fuel companies are getting kind of rank discrimination when it comes to financing. So she wants to do a little public service awareness about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which we've been touting that for a couple of years we now. Could use some of that education and so As I was poking a lot of bears this week without knowing it, it dawned on me the conversation that I had with the state of North Dakota when I was talking with their commerce director mm-hmm. three or four times when we were talking about assistance. Okay, he kept mentioning well. What has you, you know, have, have you met with your bank? And it just dawned on me today. Yeah, I went through the ATM okay. yesterday. It just dawned on me today, though. I'm going, okay, we had Senator Kramer in the last interview, uh-huh. the banker, okay? Now he went on a banker tour. Kathleen Scama now is coming in talking about she's got some public awareness she wants to make when it comes to banking. Here, me personally talking with the state, right. and they're directing me to banks too. Okay, so now I feel like we're getting hit over the head. With Why the does message. everybody want me to go in debt? I don't know. Do we need to go rob a bank or just go visit one? I, I mean, so I, I might have to ask Senator Kramer this very difficult question, but I think I got to phrase it like, not to be a gotcha here, but why is everybody who's working for the government or... um part of a quasi-government agency telling me to go get in debt and take risk on my business. Do you know what I mean by that? Am I making sense? Well, I mean, you're making sense. I, I don't know anything about it, but I don't know. Well, maybe maybe they know something we don't. Well, because a lot of people are looking for business, not bills. Yeah. And when you go to a bank, you're taking out a loan, right? Right. Well, that's a bill. Yeah. It's, it, it's a loan that creates opportunity to go get business. Mm-hmm. But if there's no business right now, because everything is controlled... Well, I mean, well, what are you doing? You're telling people to go take on a risk when when they're in. It's a very different. It's a sticky wicket. Well, yeah, and it sounds like you're encouraging people to take a risk when it's really risky to take that. And you got to remember, I just got done with the Bakken, where not even five years ago they were telling people thirty year boom, right? You know, hey, you know, it's such a crack open the champagne now. Economy right now, because I'm talking to people from across the board, whether they're in construction, real estate, whether they're white collar workers or whatever. A mixture of messages. What's your construction folks saying, by the way? Mostly joking about the cost of lumber. Oh, they're still in joking mode. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, it's it's more like gallows humor. You know, it's it's the fact that in some cases projects have been you know suspended or okay. it's, you know things like that. Well, uh, I picked up some takeout last night. Yeah. So I bellied up to the bar. You did. And waited for my order. Uh-huh. Uh, got an appetizer and a water. Didn't even get a didn't even get a Pinot Noir, man. Nothing, no. D- not even. Didn't even have one one for my heart. No, not even. Just a, to justify it's heart healthy, man. Exactly. One for the road. Wait, that's well, not right. I wasn't in the bath with my stories. <laughs> okay, so uh, I did what I I think a lot of people do. At least I know business owners do this when they belly up to the bar and sit by themselves. They eavesdrop. Yes. They just sit and eavesdrop. Yeah. It's oh, what's, it's like what, people listening. Well, yeah. It's, right. You go to the mall and you're a guy, honey, you go, hey, 
take the pedicure, manicure, mm-hmm. Victoria's Secret. I'm going to plant my ass right here yeah. on this bench and just people watch for the next two hours because if anybody thinks I'm a creep, nope, waiting for my wife. Yep. Got excuse today. Absolutely. Been there. I usually pretend to take a nap too. Yeah. Just nod off. Generally, you get a security guy that taps on your shoulder. and Right. Yeah. Move along, buddy. Exactly. <laughs> Anywho, um, I heard two guys in the construction business. That's why I ask, because you, you know, it's, that's your primary industry. Is uh, they were no longer joking. They were getting animated, and I think it might have been the martinis in their hands. But oh boy, um, the, the 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 language that was coming out of these two business owners' mouths was extremely contractual languages. Mm-hmm. Interesting. About rebids, price increases, holding costs, all these different things because they don't know what to do. On one side, one of the builders is pissed beyond belief because he's being held accountable Mm -hmm. to the price that he locked in last year. Right, before... The Not, market went wee. Well, and he didn't buy his lumber last year. Yeah. He's he's buying it next month. Yeah. Because he wasn't going to start construction till the end of July. Right. And a lot of people don't have the money to put it out right there. Told, and the bankers weren't able to give that sort of uh, construction balloon loan. I'm just throwing out the words they were saying. It sounded technical. Yeah. Right, right. So, and, right. and some of this might not be accurate because, right. like I said, balloon loan was thrown in there. And sun- <laughs> hey, this, is te- this isn't television. I even heard the word sunset, and I thought that was only in governments. No. So apparently they everywhere. must be getting yeah. some government yeah. loans, totally. too. I don't yeah. know. but Sunset loans? You bet. So these two guys were past the joking phase because up till then, I had only heard the jokes. You know, I saw the memes and, and I saw a bunch of different things. I heard one guy, he was ripping apart uh, crates. He was going to get crates. Okay. Okay, not pallets because right. pallets have got uh, uh, chemical issues, but crates. Mm-hmm. And he was repurposing crates to make a table for his daughter because lumber price is too much. Yeah. So there's a business idea there, folks. There you go, actually. Re- re- yeah. Repurposing furniture would be huge right now. I've noticed driving around the uh, the back country that a lot of the old barns that have you know still been standing up are gone. I was going to mention that. <laughs> um, you know, three, four years ago, we had that business in downtown open up that repurposed barn, yeah. barn wood. Yep. And I would imagine that's going to have another resurgence oh, is, is uh, barn wood. Yeah. I was even thinking about our mango table. We, 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 I still have our conference table from 15 years ago because it was made out of a mango tree. So you don't get rid of something like that. No, but it's it's past the prime of decoration. That's why it's a garage table. Well, yeah, but you still get fruit out of it every year, right? Right. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Still, I, I still oh, get, okay, yeah. Good, yeah, it's good. still I don't know good. a lot about fruit trees. So. <laughs> we still lick it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> get a shot of B12. B12. The whole thing. Yeah, the yeah. whole deal, man. But, and all the other chemical enamels. But I looked at it and I thought, okay, what could I do with that? Mm-hmm. You know, c- c- picture frames, uh, right. c- computer case. What, you know, what, what are some yeah. different things? Coffin. Shelving, you know, c- coffin. Yeah. yeah. Just throwing out ideas here. Look at you just going right to the end, man. Just twist the final Dude, knife in me. a long game, man. Oh, boy. Well, should we do news or should we do uh, emails? Let's do news. All right, man. Do you got something? Are you ready for it? I am ready for the news. I mean, I, I don't know if people are ready for no, news out of the fact, gate. Actually, we better get to the news before the Wall Street Journal decides I need to slam a paywall. Well, I saw you even had four in case yeah. there must have been a backup. Yeah, it's a backup, man. <laughs> the phone set up and a different account. All right, so 
This this is a fun one. We got Exxon versus Activist Battle Royale Thunderdome. 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 So the, uh, those are mine. Battle over future of oil and gas reaches showdown. Showdown. And this is in the showdown. Wall Street Journal, huh? Yeah. Actually, I think it was. Uh, let's see. Yeah, written by uh, uh, Vince McMahon. No, I'm sorry, Chris Matthews. <laughs> written by the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> Mankind said. <laughs> <laughs> So for years, Exxon Mobil Corp didn't have to pay much attention to investors because of its gargantuan profits. Yet on a Friday night in January, Exxon Chief Executive Darren Woods was defending the company during a video call to an investor, owning about 0.02% of the oil giant stock. So tech investor Chris James, engine number one, had launched an activist campaign against Exxon in December calling the company a fossil-fueled dinosaur. Isn't that kind of a double... That lacked a coherent plan for surviving a global transition to cleaner energy sources. They're calling on Exxon. They are. They are calling on Aren't, Exxon. Isn't Exxon the one doing all the algae? Yeah, well, they're pressing Mr. Woods, the chief executive, to commit to steering Exxon to carbon neutrality, effectively bringing its admissions they, to zero. Did they refer to him as Mr. Woods at that point? They do, Mr. Woods. It, that's still, okay, it's not, not by last name? No, okay. it's, it's Mr. Woods. That's incredible. So they're, they're looking at, and 2050 is that, that uh, date we've been hearing thrown out there. Uh, and that's what they're looking for here. So was that a quote, Mr. Woods, or was that was that Mr. Woods article? refused, arguing that oil companies making such pledges had no real plans to achieve them. "Quote: They weren't interested in having a conversation," he said in a recent interview. "Frankly, they didn't have a plan." Interesting. Ah. Hmm. So it's a proxy fight, basically, between this company called Engine Number One. So the. The person that's coming against Exxon in the story is a shareholder of Exxon? A shareholder of Exxon. Okay. Yep. And the 0.02%, now is that a significant amount of stock in in the grand scheme of things or not? Because, you know, I I, I don't know. I wouldn't have thought so. They make a note of it, but they don't follow it up with that's significant or not. Right. So I understand that the person doesn't... It seems like a small percentage to me. Yeah, it does. So, I mean... I own a stock of WWE, a stock. Right. It's a symbolic stock. I have absolutely no idea. Is that what? 0.0002% of the stock. I have no idea. I think it's, there's more zeros in there. It's one share. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but at the same time, the, every now and then they, they come out with these stories about how much, how rich is this rich guy, right? Mm-hmm. And so they'll take a look at how much property he owns or she. Right. It, it's a he. Okay. Let's just be honest here. And so, they, and they'll try to downplay it like, oh, the, this person only owns 10% of the real estate in the downtown sector. Well, that's a significant amount, actually, yeah. compared yeah. to the next person who owns less than 1% of the real estate in downtown, except for the government who owns about similar, right? So it's it's just the way that they work with the numbers there. Yeah. And so I was just curious, was it a former employee? It's just a shareholder. It's a shareholder. And so it's, this could be the president of PETA, yeah. the president of Greenpeace, the president of Earth Fist It. What's the name of that company? Earth First? Earth Fist It. <laughs> Is that, from going forward, the protest companies are Earth Fist It. <laughs> wow. 
yeah. donkey punch there's, earth. There's a lot to unpack here. We'll start with donkey <laughs> punching, but then and we'll move on to Exxon's board. The, listen to this. The the two you've got Exxon and you've got this other concern or company energy or engine number one is their name. Respectively, they've spent thirty five and thirty million dollars in an increasingly pitched battle to persuade shareholders voting in the Wednesday's company annual meeting. So collectively, they spent almost $70 million between the two of them to convince, what, a couple thousand rich people to do something. It's like when I was sitting at that panel in Wyoming and, oh, the guy from Colorado was trying to explain to me why television ads are the way to go to reach kids. AM radio, you know, that kind of thing. And, yeah. and the one guy in the audience says, why can't we pay somebody to sit and do social media and just basically be a troll? Mm-hmm. And I had to point out that, that that's actually what the problem is. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. So your solution is to enable it, is to give more gasoline on it. And, and so... This is what this sounds like. Well, and what's what's interesting here is that you, what you're starting to see is this um, sort of pushback from financing, right? From financial well, this companies. This is where it's all coming from now. Right? So they say, the article goes on to say that this fight between these groups demonstrates the challenge facing Mr. Woods. He's defending Exxon's pumping of oil and gas just as finance is moving decisively toward funding a future based on renewables. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's, we've no, been, they, we've been they, kind they, of talking the last couple of weeks about how silent it seems everybody has been since the API came out mm-hmm. and we're starting to hear about ESG going out in the, the common talk. Right. But maybe what we're starting to see is sort of that, uh, you know, everything's sort of been stretched and now we're getting to that kind of ripping point yeah. where we're going to start to see these things. Well, I think what they're going to do is keep every everybody busy with the ESG because everybody's fighting over it right now, and, and then they're going to they're, they're they're going to go to their uh, that drawer you keep talking about <laughs> the junk drawer, that, the sauce that, drawer, that the drawer packet drawer. They got the memo already ready to go. Oh yeah, it's that, yep. The fait accompli drawer. Mm-hmm, yep. Where they're going to pull it out, put it out there, Joink. and then and then the industry is going to continue to react. Yep. While the rest of the world continues to be, it's probably it looks something like a Mad Libs, you know, contest where it's like insert resource insert yeah, regulation yeah exxon i didn't know this exxon last year posted a 22 billion loss during the pandemic by crushed fuel demand they got to be the only company that lost money mine and exxon right. and Ex- hey i finally <laughs> I've, I've made it i'm like exxon exxon <laughs> crude life you know they're basically go hand in hand did i mention i filed my taxes yesterday yeah, yes yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, yesterday <laughs> afternoon you bet got them done and got a few surprises so you know i didn't know percentages could go that high you know that mr <laughs> woods darren woods is the guy that came after our former secretary of state rex tillerson was the last guy before this guy that was the Exxon D. I liked Rex. I know he had that Rex, you know, you just smooth as silk, baby. Oh yeah. yeah. Probably smelled like palmade and vodka. No, I whiskey. Th- I actually think he was probably one of the better secretaries of state because for all 20 minutes. Well, he well no, there. I mean, if you're right, exactly. Right? <laughs> he said, screw this noise. and <laughs> took off. Um, right. Isn't that how it yes, went? Pretty much. Well, I remember Heidi Heitkamp who's a Democrat. Yep. She, she looked at me in the eye and said, oh, no, he's real. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and I thought he was one of the few people that Democrats or at least people on the other side were going, OK, this is a guy that's, you know, he knows the world. 
That's why I he's thought... He's got some connections. I thought he was the best choice I had seen probably in my lifetime as For a secretary, secretary of state because he came from oil and gas, which is a staple in every single country. Yeah. Okay? Which means he's probably been to every single country. Right. And he probably knows that, okay, in um, this country in Africa, they're still using elephant dung to heat their village. <laughs> right. So... Is that something we should focus on well, by bringing infrastructure? Absolutely, there? and you know that's that, the Secretary yeah, of State I want. Exactly, yeah. and somebody like Tillerson had had experience dealing with not just the representatives of the governments of those countries, but also the actual power structures. Now, on the those. flip side, I thought James the, Baker was pretty the, great. The, the cabinet member I'd want to party with the most, Rick Perry. Absolutely. Now he's the lead singer of Aerosmith, isn't he? Who am I thinking of? No, you're thinking of the governor of Texas? Oh, wait, are we talking about Journey? Uh, okay, I'm lost now, sorry. You're thinking of Steven Tyler. <laughs> St- Steven Perry. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, Sherry. Oh, Sherry. <laughs> What's All our right. next news story? Next story is a little closer to home, North Dakota. North you ever D- met Rick Perry, by the way? If I ever met, not in person. Oh, he's a great guy. Yeah. Oh, no, he's fun. Yeah, he's great energy, great energy. There's no, there's a reason he's as successful as he is. Yeah. He's just very... He's, um, I thought he always looked like a leather, leatherer, leather-looking Ronald Reagan, like he had the perfect look. You know, we're talking. Yeah. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. He's he's definitely a Stepford uh, uh, politician. Right. I mean, like put on that cowboy just, hat. Took, and, took took him right off the shelf and put yep, him out there without yep. a doubt. But that, but because he's got a personality. Mm-hmm. That's why he's cool. Yeah. Okay. And and it's like everybody in journalist journalism and the media tries to look like Anderson Cooper eventually, right? <laughs> right. Same thing. There's a look in the politicians. I think they're called Stepford wives. Is, okay. is where yeah. it originally yeah. comes yeah. from. Basically, right? all robots, yeah, clones, same thing. whatever. Yeah. Uh, Parks and Rec did a great episode on the Stepford politician, where it was like the blonde, blue-eyed, forty-five-year-old mm-hmm. politician that was dead on when the camera was there yep. and when it was off he just stand and stare no, at the wall he, he, yeah he sat there that's the way a yeah. lot of politicians really are yep. I mean they're, they're not to that extreme but they're that boring mm-hmm. so when a Rick Perry comes along or a Kramer boy they just stand out and you're like that's the kind of guy <laughs> definitely yeah, throw some yeah. color and character into it don't they yeah they, yeah, they definitely relate more to the common man and things yeah, like that so alright what's the next story so North Dakota is using taxpayer funds oh, is, this, is this from that climate news yep, I saw in- InsideClimateNews.org. Let's see how far we can make it before I make it turn, turn the page on Using this Using taxpayer funds, bailed out oil and gas companies by plugging abandoned wells, which is that, I thought is, we were just something we wanted them to do. So is that the way it's phrased? That's exactly the way it's phrased. So right there, this is already leading as against oil and gas. It's already got three And against government. Go on. Go on. <laughs> the bailout, environmentalists say, raises bigger questions about who will pay in an energy transition to close off the nation's millions of aging wells. God, this is interesting because uh, the interview with Lynn Helms mm-hmm. and Jenica, um, where Lynn Helms explains basically this, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really interesting to listen to his uh, perspective or spin, however you want to call it. Yeah. And then th- this is, what, okay, what was the name of the website again? This is insideclimatenews.org. So I imagine this is going to be a very anti-fossil fuel site, right? So far. I mean, so far it seems somewhat neutral. I get it. But just by the name of the site, my guess yes. is that. So 
Uh, we don't have to. We don't have to look at it. We'll just no, 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 because news is news. Hey, mm-hmm. man, we're letting them. <laughs> we're, no, I'm just signing up so I can read the rest of the damn article. Oh, I see another paywall or a free well, this paywall. This is a free paywall. Oh, we just want your info. This is a CIA yep. tracking paywall. <laughs> no, see, okay, this is the way it starts right, out. Go. It talks about. It Start says over. when North Dakota directed more than 66 million in federal pandemic relief funds mm-hmm. to clean up old oil and gas wells last year, which is, they did. It seemed like the type of program everyone could get behind. The money would plug hundreds of abandoned wells, restore the often polluted lands surrounding them, and in the process would employ oil-filled workers who had been furloughed after prices crashed. So they say the program largely accomplished these goals, but some environmental advocates say it achieved another they didn't expect. It bailed out dozens of small to mid-sized oil companies, relieving them of the responsibility to pay for cleaning up their own wells by using taxpayer money instead. Oil well, drillers call, are generally way, required to plug their holes. I'll just pause for a second. Um, shale play profit moment there where uh, if you can go up to three years ago when we started heavily covering the abandoned wells and orphan wells, mm-hmm. that's when we really started uncovering the fact that these states barely put any sort of deposit down, they, you know, any sort of $5,000, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So when, when a company goes bankrupt, right? Because right. Newsflash, occasionally an oil and gas company goes bankrupt, mm-hmm. occasionally, right? And so the landowner gets stuck with it. Yep. Well, the landowner ain't going to do it. They can't afford it, right? you know, that type of thing. So, of course, the state's going to have to bail them out. And we've been talking about this for a long time. So now it's starting to make the news. Yeah. Okay, or, or we're starting to hear orphan wells more and more, right? Right. And, now, and, and I'm going to just mention Did he do this. Citizen Kane? Yeah, I'm going to mention this too, is that Curtis Shuck, he's with the Well Done Foundation. When he first started, he was for profit. And he, on this very program, said he basically got forced to become a nonprofit because that's what the operators demand it right they have to do bonds or other financial assurance no, no, so, right so here curtis shuck wanted to be an actual for-profit so right. you keep the cost down right keep the cost down but the way that the the laws are structured for the nonprofits and the tax rebates and all that other stuff well they got this amount of money for mm-hmm. nonprofits. so the tree planting and the abandoned wells and yep. And then, you know, that sort of stuff, they started encroaching in on Make-A-Wish and all the non-traditional, yeah. you know, non-profits. Well, and, and it sounds like from this is that one of the things that, that became evident was that in North Dakota, it turned out that most of the wells the state plugged were not truly orphaned, but had Sullivan owners. After the industry warned last year that the pandemic-driven oil crash was threatening its finances, state regulators stepped in, assumed ownership of more than 300 wells, and used CARES Act funds to plug them, meaning the companies avoided paying anything themselves. That's funny, because I I mentioned that, too, that um, there's a difference between orphan wells, abandoned wells, and then there's a third term, too. There's a third one. And Curtis Shuck does a great job of going over it. We went, we went over the three different turns for at least like 15 minutes right. because it was Some really clear important. definitions. Well, there, because right? of this, because yeah. of this right here, because the word orphan well was the one taking over. It was the Xerox. It was the Kool-Aid. Right. It was, the generic it was, industry term. It, right. Yeah. It became yeah. the generic industry term that represented five different classifications. Yeah. And that's a, that's a way that a lot of um, states can can move ahead their 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 BS legislation. In right. order, well, 
Because it, it, it well, is. And you know what because I'm starting. They know what they're doing. Yeah. They, and they, they know. I'm starting to see kind of a trend. They, they know what they're doing. Well, yeah, that's why they're, they're doing it. I was go, just go saying ahead. that they, I'm starting to see a trend in Colorado and New Mexico and Texas and now sort of in North Dakota where they're, one of the things that the states are doing is they're, they're rewarding the companies. They're doing the right thing in the sense that, yeah, let's put money towards keep these guys in business, close down the well. Everybody benefits. But yeah, this would bug me. It's This is not just screwing over the state, right, out of money that might have mm-hmm. gone to other things. But this is screwing over the legitimate small business oil well, and gas people. This is, this is why you and I it, didn't right? get money. Yeah. This is why you and exactly. I did not get COVID money and we were told to go get a loan. It's hey. like when they when they when they first sent those 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 PPE payouts or whatever, everybody got one. Even if you made a million dollars or more a year, you still got one, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't need it, right? You didn't need it. Uh, you know, you could voluntarily give it away, but this is yeah. I mean this this just makes it totally seem like that cronyism we're always talking about, where it's like okay, the money comes in, who gets it? The people at the top, the banks at the top, they give it to their buddies at the top. Do they mention Lynn Helms in the story at all? Uh, let me see here. They do talk about uh, Scott Skokos, executive director of the Dakota Resource Council. Okay. What does he say? He said uh, what, what happened was a bunch of people got a free ride. Okay. <laughs> he Keeps said it only deepened his sense and the state that the, that the state had bailed out the industry. In October, regulators were granted permission from state lawmakers to send about $16 million of the CARES Act funds as grants to oil companies to help them buy water to hydraulically fracture new wells, a step the regulators said was necessary to expend the funds by the end of the year. Nine companies took advantage of the program. In one case, a single company, Continental Resources, received $5.4 million. Interesting. Yeah. Continental Resources received $5.4 million of Just, North Dakota CARES Act money? Yep. Okay. Wyoming, they got to have Lynn Helms in here then. They have to. There's no way they can make statements like that without coming out with at least somebody from the state. Somebody from the Petroleum Council. Somebody. I mean, somebody besides... Who's that? Uh, yeah, here we go. Here we go. So who, Lynn who's Helms. that guy? Uh, Scott Skiles with the... Scott Skokos. Oh, okay. That's yeah. Scott Skiles with the Orlando no. Magic? No? Okay. Uh, Lynn Helms, director of the North Dakota's Department of Mineral Resources, defended the state's program from criticism that it bailed out the industry, saying it targeted companies that were facing financial stress because of last year's crash in oil prices. And then in some cases, small mom and pop operations did not have the funds to plug the wells. He said his department had begun to pursue reimbursement from some of the companies that are still solvent and has already obtained more than $3 million to reimburse a state well-plugging fund that covered some costs beyond the $66 million from the CARES Act. That's true. There were a lot of... Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you know it's ripe but for... It's not- it's not completely true. No, but it's 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 one of those cases where you got yeah. There's obviously some grift and some corruption in that pipeline, but there's also money going to people it should. You you ever wonder if somebody says here's a here's a hundred dollars, right? Take care of your people. How much of that money actually gets to the people? You know, you take twenty bucks. Somebody else takes twenty bucks. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm looking at that comments from Lynn Helms more as. Um, if I, if I were to read the tea leaves, because I've mentioned this before, to be fair to the state, and I do dog on the state a lot because, mm-hmm. you know, it's my, I guess, my my Goldwater Republican libertarian roots in me, but uh, is that 
or just my entrepreneurship in me. <laughs> is that well entrepreneurs don't rely on the government they never did they, they never did before the last couple of years true not real entrepreneurs well real entrepreneurs yeah uh as far as what they used to be yeah. in the definition of webster yeah. is that you know 50 to 60 percent of the state is relied on oil and gas and i said this before that the elected officials have to protect the industry mm-hmm. because of what they've done to the state okay it's not the industry's fault that the oil that the that right. the that the legislators tied fifty to seventy percent of the state's welfare to two taxes. Yeah. Okay. The extraction tax and the production tax. Yep. That's on the state elected officials. Mm-hmm. So, I don't feel bad for the oil companies getting bailed out because the state would have got screwed if they wouldn't have. Because yeah, the oil the companies have been very upfront from yep. day one that they say we're here to make money. Mm-hmm. And when we're not making any money anymore, we're going to go home. See, here's but how- in the meantime, you're going to make a shit ton of money. Your community is going to thrive right. and you're going to have more economic empowerment opportunities than any other industry you've ever had before. Mm-hmm. What you do with that is on you. Exactly. That's yeah. why I love oil and gas yeah. is because it's not a hey, if if I eat the sacred donut. And the devil comes up and grabs me and brings me down to hell. That's, that's on, on me. That is on you. That's not on Homer Simpson. Right. Or not on the devil, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, the, the devil do doesn't make you do it, right? No, I was just going to say, you know, in, in, in North Dakota specifically, too, you, you just, the, the headline really should be, wells capped, jobs created, you know, uh, environment helped. All right, what else does Helm say, <laughs> by the way? Uh, that's it, actually. Uh, let's see. So far, the state has confiscated bonds. These were the bonds that were set up right to, to buy companies in order to sort of assure that they would be capped in the end, the mm-hmm. wells. So I they, think it's like a $5,000 bond. Is they've confiscated bonds worth only about $3.4 while it is pursuing another $1.5 through civil actions, Helm said. Must be more than. All of that money would go to reimburse the state fund rather than the CARES Act money. Helm said that while they are looking into it, the rules of the CARES Act may dictate that the state cannot or should not reimburse the federal government. Wait a minute. I found the story here. Okay. Insideclimatenews.org. Yeah. All right. It does say, okay, lawmakers or regulate determine the levels of the bonds. For example, $10,000 per well. Mm-hmm. So my, my snarky 5000 was not snarky. No, it wasn't. It was, it, was, it was legit. You were just lowballing a little well, bit. Well, no, because when I looked into this story three years ago, mm-hmm. I remember seeing like, holy crap, are you, they only getting 5,000 bucks as a deposit? I got to put down more of a deposit when I go to Vegas. Right. <laughs> well, this is interesting too. About they the said, same odds uh, too, by the way. They said that seven companies are responsible for 77 of the confiscated wells and that those companies have either entered bankruptcy or were determined to be insolvent. The rest of the wells were owned by companies that continue to pump oil in the state. Cobra Oil and Gas, for example, had 121 wells confiscated, but the Texas-based company has another 369 active. Interesting. I'm going to actually read this story later because I'm looking Helm at it and there's the, a lot more. Yeah, into Helm this said the North Dakota smokes. legislature has made changes in bonding and regulations in recent years that are intended to prevent the 14,000 wells that have been drilled in North Dakota from facing a similar fate. Oh, and at the end they have keep environmental journalism alive would donate now. Oh boy. These guys are, 
These guys are going to be a problem for the oil and gas yeah. industry. Well, at least in this article, as I'm going through it, I, no, it, it, it's it's well written. It seems to be pretty well written. Yeah, it's not really it's, taking a, a side so much as well, just it's, information. It's a, well, it's got its bent. It's got its bent. Yeah, that's what I'm absolutely. saying. Absolutely, but, but 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 it's well written because it's. I'm actually getting information. That's out what of I'm it. saying. Yeah. It's it's information surrounded by bent. Yeah. Okay, and they don't need to. That's the problem. They don't need to, but because they are. It's going to fly under the radar to the oil and gas folk yeah. when it shouldn't. It shouldn't. No, no. There's there's yeah. some legit stuff in here that's going to come back and bite them without I, a doubt. I see so. Occidental mentioned in here. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to read this. Let's let's go to the next news story. <laughs> I, I think we might get in trouble for this. We're we're already 40 minutes in. So oh this shoot, is, man. This oh, is it, man. Geez. This is we're only doing one segment. We'll do emails tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, people want to know about the Williston Basin Petroleum Council interviews. Uh, they're coming. Somebody wants to know about Crab Bucket, if I'm ever going to get to that. Yes, we will. And another person wants your to band know name, if you it? actually did live in Saudi Arabia. And let's get a Saudi story. So we'll do those tomorrow. Yep, sounds uh, good. But let's, let's do one more news item here and uh, maybe do the uh, non-news item, the which non- I didn't recognize anybody in even the name of... All right, so this is from Yahoo News. Uh, do you even know who this is? Charlemagne the God, the the God apologizes to Kwame Brown. Spell the T H A the God apologizes to Kwame Brown for. You know what? Shut this down. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, "Play Hard, Work Hard," is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by... Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to gam.ai. That's Great American Mining, gam.ai. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. 
Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The Crude Life, the most trusted voice in energy. On the phone, talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We are the oil and gas regulator, but we do pipelines and pipeline safety inspections for the state of Texas. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities. We have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It's an important part of what goes on in the state, and safety is is really important, obviously, to all of us. Absolutely. You know, the, the oil and gas industry has always been environmentally focused. I mean, uh, the President Biden's administration, that this is Obama-Biden 2.0+. plus. And the rate at which we've seen the executive orders flying off the president's desk is taking America back, taking jobs back, and putting us in a detrimental position. But as the attorneys general for a number of states, we are pushing back. Um, from the Department of Transportation, that Permian, the Permian Basin has some of the um, most deadly roads of anywhere in the country. We average a fatality per day. That is absolutely unacceptable, and we need to do better. Uh, we just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. Welcome back to the Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. I am Sean Forbes with TeamForbes.com and OGDirectory.com. Jason Spies is my co-host today. I went out there on my first rig move, and I was like, wow, I'm permitting all these loads, getting trucks going, load go, and I don't even know what half the stuff was. So when I finally got to go on the rig, I was like, wow, I was amazed. I was truly amazed of how this process is. No, I wasn't expecting any olive branch at all. Uh, the Democrat Party has decided that they don't like oil and natural gas, and uh, they were clear that they're going to go after us. I, I don't think that's any surprise. My name is Jenica, and today we get to talk with Amy Andrzak of the Interstate Natural Gas Association of America. Amy is the president and CEO. How are you doing today? I would say my my interest in this arena started more from an interest in politics and advocacy, more so than an interest specifically in the energy industry. Well, the first the, the first advice that I that I want to give is, ladies, put your clothes on, okay? If you want to be taken seriously, put your clothes on, which that's a whole other podcast topic. The funny thing, what I think sometimes is just really ironic. I'll, I used to pull into the office and I would see some of my colleagues driving electric cars and things like that. And I'm like, how do you work for a large oil and gas company? <laughs> pull in an electric car. So, I mean, even us, I mean, even in our, in our circles, we can see that things are changing. Actually, you are on the money. Back in 2014 and 15, when we first started approaching our management team at 
providing. Our reasoning for wanting to engage in ESG is that we had great stories to tell. We all like living the crude life, so... Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard. This is Sean Forbes with OG Directory, standing in for Jason Spies. I've saved the best for last. Go. I've been waiting three days to interview this gentleman, Marshall Johnson, from Hi. the Mule Deer Foundation. I've been sitting across from your booth and looking at these gorgeous pictures mm-hmm. of wildlife and me being from Colorado and having mule deer run around my yard, right. I was like, what's happening over here? But this is a really nice visual for me. Yeah, it's one of the things I just want to uh, promote here in North Dakota, especially at this show here, is, is uh, you know, they're all familiar with the mule deer. They see them out there every day while they're working and everything. Um, but a lot of the photos that you're seeing over there are industrial uh, employees, employees of the oil industry working on habitat projects that the Mule Deer Foundation has put together. Um, a lot of it's on uh, private land, uh, some of it's on plots land, and a few of it's on public land, too. Uh, in fact, the last big one we did is on public land. But basically, I wanted to show all the different pictures um, of people actually working out there and doing that habitat work and all the logos of the businesses that have been participating. So you're a foundation. Yes. Which means that you probably provide education um, and programs for well, folks? It's, Predominantly what our, our whole thing is the conservation of mule deer in their habitat. Okay. And so we, our primary function, or my function here as a regional director in the Dakotas, is to uh, raise money to put back on the ground. Because that is what we can do as humans. Yeah. You know, we can't what control do you mean by the weather. That? What do you mean by that? Well, we can't control the weather. Right. Um, the weather is the number one culprit uh, for mortality with wildlife. And you can't do anything about that. Uh, a lot of people like to point to predators. A lot of people like to point to this, that, whatever it might be. And uh, to be truthful, a lot of it's loss of habitat. Hmm. And that can be through uh, agriculture, industrial, growth of cities and towns and, you know, whatever it might be. And so what we try to do is um, we want to improve habitat that's already out there existing, but it might be in a, a fragile state, not a very good state. Um, We're working with landowners that want to improve their habitat because they're livestock. And so we can work together and improve it not only for the livestock, but also for the wildlife itself. So you're improving their productivity too, you know. And so that's our primary focus is, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the mule deer are the only large North American game animal in decline. And so that's what our function is, is to ensure sustainability. And the only way we can really do that is by improving habitat. And creating an environment for a healthy right. group of animals. Right, right. right. You know, so, so that's what I'm here for. Um, I've been working with the North Dakota Petroleum Council for mm-hmm. several years now. They've been a great supporter and, and a sponsor of us and our activities. Um, you saw some of the pictures on the wall up, up over there. Um, for instance, the North Dakota Petroleum Council, they donated uh, funds for us to buy a trailer, 14-foot tandem axle trailer that we utilize for youth. We, we have uh, setups in there for archery and setups for uh, a pellet gun. 
uh, to introduce youth to, to the different uh, shooting activities. Uh, we also have other things too. So we'll put on little events, little shows, um, you know, simple as sometimes even how to, how to use a compass. Hmm. You know, that's a, a people losing that ability. Right. And uh, we support them. We go to the Bach and Cook Fests. And we set up our little units up there. That's will the you kids be at the Bach and Barbecue? We will be, yes. Oh, we've, we've done every one now for about five years now. Oh, great. And uh, so the kids just, they love us. I mean, we're, we're busier than hell. So we're always looking for volunteers to help us with that because yeah. it's, we'll have kids lined up and, and shooting all day long. I'll be um, there this year. It'll be my oh, first good. year attending the barbecue, and I've heard amazing things about it. Oh, the and just really good. you know the things that uh, the two ladies that organize the event do for the community, especially with yeah. the first responders and the education, and just in the inclusiveness of it all. You yeah. know, it's not industry related. It's more about community. Yeah, it is so. about the community. It's giving back to the community and having yeah. a little fun with it and yeah. taking a break. Right. You know, from everything going on. So, but uh, yeah, with the North Dakota Patron Council, the other thing is we've, we've uh, taken it a little bit further the last couple of years now. Um, we do, we, we already do a thing called Boots on the Ground. And that's where our volunteers um, from chapters, and, and they're not even, they may not even be committee members in that. Um, we'll set up a day where we're going to do some kind of habitat work, be it pulling wire, you know, fences and that, so sure. woven fences especially, uh, pulling woven fences out. Um, we've done pipeline work, uh, seedings, uh, cutting trees down, whatever it needs to be done. Um, and the reason I, you know, I say cut trees down, that's probably, whoa, what are you well, talking about? mitigation is important. Yeah, North Dakota, we don't have any trees. <laughs> so basically what it is, is, is we're dealing primarily with juniper and with cedar as they have you know, come across the tops of the buttes and slopes coming around to the south facing slopes and then down onto the grasslands. And if you look under an evergreen in your yard, what, what grows under it? Nothing, it's dirt. Nothing. Because the sun doesn't have the ability well, it's not to only that, grow. Those trees kill everything. Uh. You know, they suck all the water everything you know and, and kill everything and so we're losing all those the natural grasses yeah. and all that type of stuff and they are an invasive species mm. and very aggressive and so what we're trying to do right now is we're going out we're identifying areas where those cedars and junipers have creeped out onto the natural plains and are killing everything and so that's one of our things is to get rid of that because the deer don't eat pine mm. nobody eats pine right and um so that's one of the things that we're going to be doing this year specifically is, is working on a few projects like that. And so the industry, um, some of these projects, they require heavy equipment or just we need people to help us out there. And I'll reach out to uh, Ron Ness and then Tessa Sandstrom and say, hey, got a project lined up. This is what we need, blah, blah, blah. And they'll send out an email. Next thing you know, I got people sending me emails saying, hey, we would like to help out. We can give you this. We can do this. We can do that. And uh, they've done some really phenomenal work. And um, before I even got to this event, um, I had Kurt Swenson from Beulah. He uh, runs a company up there called uh, MAP. Um, called me up and said, hey, are we doing one this year? I, I want to get involved. Uh, Kurt, um, Kurt Roscoe over here. Yes. Uh, he came over, or Kovacs, Rush Kovacs, came over here. He's with, the, uh, uh, with Roscoe Crane up in Minot. He stopped over first thing on uh, Tuesday morning and said, hey, when's your next one? We want to get in again. We love doing that stuff. And so the industry is really interested in helping out and bringing their equipment, bringing their their employees. And it's great having guys who really know how to work these machinery. Yeah. You know, versus us. Yeah. Which areas are you typically doing work in? Uh, pr well, basically mule deer habitat, which is the Bakken primarily. Okay. So um, if you look are west Are there certain of counties where you would oh, maybe yeah. concentrate Yeah, in? Williams, McKinsey, Billings, Golden Valley, um, Stark County, 
uh, Bowman County. I mean, basically everything. If you went down Highway 85, basically that corridor and to the Montana border. That's what we're looking at. It's all those are prime mule deer habitats. So that's where a lot of our projects are. Now we also have done some projects south of Carson, down by the Cannonball River, uh, and further south there because there's mule deer all over down there as well. And so if there's mule deer in the area, we are very interested in helping. Hmm. And uh, so with the Petroleum Council, I can kind of give you an example of one if you yeah, want. Yeah, please. Just uh, 2020 in uh, January, end of January, I was in Williston, stopped in and visited with the biologist at the Game of Fish office. You know, just chit-chat a little bit. And I said, is there anything we can do? And he stopped for a second. He looks at me and goes, you know what? There is something you can help me with. And uh, he said, we got this WMA, Lewis Clark WMA, just to the south on the river there. He says, we want to do a burn down there because it's got all these logs and trees and all the floods. And it just needs to be cleaned up. Problem is those logs, some of them are biggest vehicles that mm-hmm. round. He says, we can't move them. We have a little bobcat. That's it. Can you help me out? I know you have connections with Bobcat and Dusan. Absolutely. And du- Bobcat and Dusan have been just, they have been an incredible, incredible partner of ours. One of the first ones we've had on there. I've donated the use of equipment, heavy equipment, everything. So I said, well, let me make a few calls. And so I contacted Tessa, North Dakota Petroleum Council. They sent out an email what we needed. We ended up getting, in 10 days, we were all geared up, ready to go. We got side dumpers. We've got um, uh, the... What do you call the darn things? Where they the pickers? Yeah. yeah like well, yeah, excavator with excavator. a thumb. You know, excavator with a thumb, so they can pick up these giant trees. You know, these logs. Um, we had bobcats out there, or skid steers. I've never seen them that big before. I mean, these these monster things. And the the biologist, he didn't think we'd be able to do too much. You know, okay, you know, we'll do this little area. Well, this area. And here was, you have a, an army of soldiers. Army. We came down there, <laughs> and. Um, we cleared out a ginormous area. The, the the biologist halfway through the day, he was just shaking. His, he's just like, I cannot believe what's happening here. He goes, this is incredible. We figured we probably saved the state sixty five thousand dollars in just rentals, to you know, for the equipment. And probably another twenty thousand yeah. dollars in uh, uh, operator expense. That was all on the shoulders and the backs of our industry partners in in the Petroleum Council. How often do you have volunteer events? We try to do, um, I would do one for industry a summer and usually one to two for my volunteers where we would actually work out on plots land and work with those landowners. Um, this year, talking with Ron Ness, he's like, we want to do two. We, there's, he gets so many requests and people saying, we, wanna, we couldn't get in that one. Is there going to be another one? Yeah. Um, and so we're looking at trying to work on two of them. I just got the okay from the landowner 15 minutes ago <laughs> for our first, and this one's going to be a big one. It's going to be south of Medora. It's on the Shade Ranch. It's by Tracy Mountain area. This is going to be a uh, tree reduction, the juniper and the cedar. It's going to be fence removal. Um, it's going to be building slash piles and stuff like that for future burns on those. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a big, big one. And this guy, he's got a lot of land that um, is surrounded and has oil and all that stuff. So it's a great way for the organization or the industry to give back you know, to the landowner to help improve that land. Yeah. Um, I would love to be able to advertise some of your volunteer events on my directory. Yeah. And and for anybody listening, um, if you're interested in helping out on Habitat Projects or you're interested in helping out a chapter with youth events or or How many chapters do you have? I have 10 in the state. And so in the Bakken area, we got uh, Minot, 
Williston, Watford City, and Dickinson are our key ones. We are looking at starting one and uh, possibly trying to get one going in Stanley, one in T- Tioga, and one in Kildare. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, it, it, all you got to do is go to the Mule Deer site. It's muledeer.org. Okay. Um, and you can find information on there with North Dakota. Um, just click on the map. Uh, with regards to if you're on Facebook, go to the Mule Deer Foundation of North Dakota Facebook page. I manage that one. And there I post all my stuff, you know, what we're doing, what we're looking for, if we need help, that type of thing. That's great. And if people would like to donate to your organization, there's Same. instructions on the website. Yep, they can contact me directly. They can contact our local chair chapter. Again, they just go to muledeer.org. They can see who the local chairman is. Um, or they'll see my name, contact info right there as well. Yes, Marshall Johnson with the Mule Deer Foundation. Yep, and the uh, email is easy. Marshall at muledeer.org. Muledeer.org. Yep. Marshall, I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here and the work that you do with animals and conserving their health and population and all the work that you do. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Sean. Yeah, nice to meet you. heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to gam.ai. That's Great American Mining, gam.ai. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. 
Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. So here at the Wilson Basin Petroleum Conference, and I had the opportunity to talk with three very intelligent individuals standing over here at the Insight Environmental Booth, and they've got a really cool gadget. It's a drone. Looks like there's a bigger camera on there. There's another one pointed straight down. There's all kinds of fun blades on there, and it's it, it's a pretty heavy-duty piece of equipment is what it looks like. So I thought maybe I'd uh, get the 411 on what this gadget's about. Uh, so what you've got in front of you right now, this is one of our prosumer drones. It's an industrial drone that we use primarily in our energy sector, so oil and gas work. Um, so the reason that we like this particular platform is that it gives us the ability to fly in the conditions that are presented where we work most, which is the upper Midwest, Alaska, Washington, uh, because we can fly this in, in about 35 miles per hour wind, snow, rain. It'll stay up in the air and we can still get our job done. What Insight does on our drone side is we augment the services that we already offer our clients, which is leak detection repair, OGI, environmental consulting. So. I like to describe Insight as an inspection company who happens to have a drone division versus a drone company that happens to do inspections. So we started our drone division in 2015 when uh, the UAV world kind of exploded and everyone was trying to play catch up. Um, So we do uh, airborne OGI work, uh, volumetric analysis, pre-purchase assessments, agricultural work volumetric analysis so we're kind of a swiss army knife just because we've got so many different clients with so many needs and these drones are able to accommodate for all of those different needs yeah so i describe a drone as a very stable platform that you can put sensors on so whatever data you need to collect so the data that we're collecting with these particular sensors is imagery right but you can also put a gas sniffing sensor on there Uh, to be able to take samples in the air. And we've done that, especially when our clients are taking tanks in and out of service, right? They want to know if there's any volatile organic compounds that are escaping outside of that tank. So we fly a five gas meter around that uh, and then actually use one of the cameras to look at the five gas meter to give us that real-time information back. Wow, that sounds pretty advanced, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That was based off of a, a need from a client. My favorite question that I get from a client is, can you do this? So they come to us with their problems. They want us to think outside of the box, and we use these tools to solve that problem. You know, one of the things that we've started to incorporate in the last year is 3D printing, right? Because you have all these different sensors that you want to put on drones, but that sensor might not have been made for that drone. Well, now how can you custom fit it onto it? So, you know, on oil and gas facilities, companies are using all the time five gas meters, which is a pretty heavy piece of equipment, but they get some very valuable information. Well, how can you put it on a drone? Well, so we three build uh, 3D print harnesses for it to be able to carry that very safely, very effectively. We put it on a much larger drone that can carry it and can hover for up to 40 minutes. And that's how we tackle that issue. 
Well, I thought it was, okay, so first of all, one thing that popped into my head, especially around North Dakota, is when you're talking about being able to detect gas or gas leaks, um, I, I know that I had asked about H2S, mm-hmm. and so would you like to explain the different kinds of gases and how it's able to, I mean, how is it is it based on an energetic frequency, kind of like the cameras, or how does that work? Oh, so, uh, you know, a five gas meter isn't that much different than that four gas meter that an individual happens to put on their person when they're working in the field. So it's, all it's doing is taking an active air sample. One of the neatest projects that we've done when you talk about H2S levels here in North Dakota is we did a project a couple years ago where a lot of the well sites had very high H2S levels to the point where uh, the the technicians had to go onto the site in, in full hazmat, right, in a team of two. So what we did, instead of going to those individual sites individually with a team of two people, we flew multiple sites with an OGI camera to do the initial inspection on the site, on that wellhead. So we could fly probably five sites in about an hour to get that cursory inspection to figure out if it's even a site that the technicians need to go on. So we negated the sites that they didn't have to go to and only sent them to the sites that they had repairs on. So something as simple as being able to measure or uh, or be able to see or tech, you know, realize that there's gas in the air is potentially life-saving because H2S is kind of kind of deadly from it's, what I understand. Yeah. By the time you smell it, you're dead because well, and, and if you, <laughs> it doesn't. If yeah. you understand that your site has high H2S levels and we can provide information that says yes, you need to go onto this site to repair a leak or no, you can skip this site because it doesn't have a leak. That removes uh, so many sites that people don't have to get completely suited up for and put themselves in that potential situation. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing about You're this welcome. technology. Did you, you had an interview with Jason Spies at the Crude Life, yes? That was actually Talon, our oh, director of operations. Oh. He spoke to Jason. Very nice. So anyone listening that would then need to go and check out that interview then as well. So there should be a lot of good information from Insight Environmental. There will be. Monica didn't get included. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, that was Jonathan Morrison for with Insight Environmental. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise 
to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to GAM.ai. That's Great American Mining, GAM.ai. The Crude Life with host Jason Speaks. My name is Jason Speece, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Patrick Bertinoli of the Rough Rider Center and Community Enhancement Director at the City of Watford City. Well, and, and I'll tell you this, too. This is, I'm going to brag about this a little bit, but Jason knows all about my ambassadors. He's got three of my ambassadors on his uh, banner. And I'll tell you, Lydia on the left there joined the National Guard. She was Soldier of the Month for the month of March. Uh, she's a rock star. Emma Mogan is in the middle there. She got a scholarship to play basketball at Minot State. Ellie is uh, next there. She got a scholarship to uh, run cross country at Edgewood College in Madison, Wisconsin. So these kids are all purpose driven. We're just really working well together. But one of the things I was going to say is obviously we have Parks and Rec up there at the Rough Rider Center, but we're taking these athletes in to go visit with the elementary kids, and we'll go visit a thousand of them in, over a course of two days. And obviously a huge advocate of mental health, but with these athletes going in there and encouraging these kids to get involved in the various activities, we're hitting a capacity on our soccer program, you know, volleyball, all these different things because these high school kids are an example and they're going and sharing that, that, that purpose and that influence with these little kids and they're having a blast. Um, like these kids, you know, the one thing, I've, I'm on the workforce council for the state of North Dakota. I'm serving my third term right now. Um, but what... I love most about working with these kids is number one, they're purpose driven and these kids bring out the best in the adults. Just, that's just the way it works. And that was Patrick Bertinoli with the Rough Rider Center and the Community Enhancement Director in the city of Watford City. To listen to the full length interview or check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life is a media organization that promotes a culture of inclusion and respect through interviews, content creation, live events, and partnerships that educate, enrich, and empower people to create a positive social environment for all, regardless of age, race, religion, sexual orientation, physical or intellectual ability. Everyday energy for everyday people. From the staff here at The Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Hey, We're going to do a good old-fashioned Bakken barbecue. 
Halliburton has been cooking for two days. Uh, they've cooked 2,500 pounds of pork, 800 pounds of sausage, uh, over 500 pounds of chicken. So they um, banging and the vocals are up. Brother, it ain't country, no. Everyone's favorite are the fish tacos, but they've got burgers, steaks, salads, I mean, pretty much everything. I come here, and the first experience was, oh, where are all the rigs? Because you have so much country here. If it ain't about whiskey sipping, guitar picking, tractors, trailers, trucks, or prison, man, it ain't a country song. In a car, they're in a tent, they're in some other building that's not meant for human habitation. We've actually found people living in haystacks, in uh, grain bins. We found one guy that, that basically gets shelter in a culvert each night. This was one of those stories where one reporter can't cover. There's too much happening at one time in too many places. If you hear it and it ain't stuck in your head all day. It's got a pop back beat and it's sung the wrong way. If you're not making money in the Bakken, you just truly are not thinking hard enough. Looking for a helping hand. Look at the end of your doggone arm. North Dakotans aren't looking over their shoulder for the government to help them. Some fur coat wearing wannabes producing your stuff. And brother, you ain't country enough. If you can't move to it, groove to it, up and slam some boots to it, party to it all night long. If it ain't about whiskey sipping, guitar picking, tractors, trailers, trucks, or prison, man, it ain't a country song. As long as I'm working, my mom and dad are happy. Okay. <laughs> and a shower. Well, that was always the key, especially going to Thunder Bay. And he doesn't like life, I guess. <laughs> Insanity, right? North Dakota, the Bakken Plague. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band.